Hi, I'm Trevor, and welcome to Catching Up on Cinema. If you aren't familiar with the program, Catching Up on Cinema is a film analysis podcast wherein myself and a co-host uh, introduce each other to films, and in this way, we catch up on our cinema. Uh, so it is the month of October 2020, uh, which means it is time for our monthly Catching Up on Blu-ray segment, uh, wherein myself and a buddy uh, we'll take a look at the calendar month and uh, review all the upcoming Blu-ray, 4K, and DVD releases. Uh, so to help me in this endeavor, I have my good friend uh, Brad from the Cinema Speak podcast. How you doing, Brad? What's new? Uh, I'm doing excellent. Uh, not too much new, just uh, watching a lot of horror movies for Halloween. And uh, yeah, that's, a, that's about everything in my world. I mean, same here. I mean, that's that's the spirit of the, the month, spirit of the season. Uh, I've been consuming a lot of slasher movies as of late mm -hmm. um what what sort of horror films have you been diving into lately uh kind of jumping around uh i did watch uh the first three scream movies so far this month um and i do plan on watching the fourth one as well and uh yeah just kind of all over the place watching a couple uh dracula films that i've never seen before filling some uh some blind spots there which have been fun Oh, let me ask you, um, hopefully it doesn't spoil anything for your show, uh, the Cinema Speak podcast, but uh, have you seen the Frank Langella uh, Dracula film from the I 70s? I have not. No, I have not. Um, okay, well, uh, Kyle and I would be very in interested to hear what you have to say about it because we're both very big fans of the actor, Yeah. Um, and just knowing that he's done a Dracula performance, it's like, damn. I need to see that. <laughs> I, I know it's uh, on Blu-ray through Scream Factory, if it's the one I'm thinking of. Um, and I've been curious to pick it up. but So you guys haven't seen it, though. You can't recommend no, it. Okay. No, I, I found a, a, a DVD of it at a at like a secondhand store, and I, like, I took a photo of it. Like I pulled the spine out, and I sent the photo to Kyle, and he's like, oh, man, we got we to gotta watch that. <laughs> I was like, it's like $25. And he was like, Maybe another time. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I need is just one little push to get me to make a purchase. So I think uh, you just gave me that push. So I might be picking that one up, maybe. <laughs> oh, man. I'm going to have Brad, you know, standing out front at the bread line because, <laughs> because of his Blu-ray <laughs> habit and my rampant suggestions for future purchases. <laughs> I just can't say no. I've got a problem. It's, you know, it's not it's not the worst <laughs> problem you could have. As, like, you know, at least it's not like booze or drugs or gambling like you know i've got all that in check but when it comes to uh blu-rays that's where that's where the problem comes out that's what's gonna be the death of me one day well you and me both brad that's why we do this show yeah maybe we should start these episodes like they start aa meetings where you uh like have to say your name and say like i'm an alcoholic but we you know hello my name is brad i'm a blu-ray addict or something like that and it can be like a form of therapy you know i mean that's kind of brilliant, Brad. I'm going to steal that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, instead of, hi, I'm Trevor, just, hello, my name is Trevor, and I'm a Blu-ray addict. I have a problem. <laughs> Although I need to, the problem I need to create an echo effect and make a crowd out of your yeah. voice and say, hi, Trevor. <laughs> the problem with that, though, is with, like, AA, it's to, like, you know, you know, put your, like help help with your problem. I don't want to say get rid of it because you know not really getting rid of it, but you know what I mean. Whereas this is kind of like you know feeding into the addiction. The more we talk about it, the more I'm like, yeah, I'll pick it up. Yeah. Well, it it's been seven days since my last purchase. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you you're onto something, Brad. I might I might consider that going forward. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm in favor of making adjustments along the way. So. <laughs> 
Um, that being said, um, if you're not familiar with how this works, um, we're going to be taking a look at uh, the October releases, uh, so October 2020. Um, and generally, physical media releases happen on Tuesdays of each week. Uh, so if you want to follow along at home, uh, the home version is accessible to you at uh, the lovely website blu-ray.com. Uh, they have a release date calendar that you can peruse and just follow along with the release dates that we'll be covering. Uh, so the first uh, proper release date that we have in October falls on October 6th. And it looks like uh, right out the gate we have a couple of films that uh, I'm going to have to clarify with you, Brad. Uh, is uh, 300 and Shutter Island, are, is this the first time both of these are on 4K? Uh, I believe so. Um, as far as I know, it's the first time. I, definitely the first time for 300, and I think it's the first time for Shutter Island as well. Okay. Um, is uh, Shutter Island, it's a Paramount film, and I believe 300 is Warner Brothers. Um, I mean, I can't speak for Shutter Island, but I would imagine 300 would be a good use of the medium. Uh, although it's a it's age 2007 and uh just the the ubiquity of the cgi element in the film makes me think that uh this could actually make it look a lot worse than it does in 1080p yeah and uh i'm not a big fan of 300 i'll i'll admit it um not that i absolutely hate the film or anything but just never caught on with me i'm curious to revisit it but i'm just looking at my collection and uh if i did pick up 300 as of right now, it would be the first movie in my collection. So that means I would have to buy another movie because I don't want that to be the first movie in my 4K collection. And since I sort alphanumerically, I would have to pick up a 2001 A Space Odyssey so I can put that before 300 because I can't lead off my collection with 300. It just w wouldn't sit right with me. That has got to be the goofiest reason to, to put... 2001 in a movie collection <laughs> it's, it's like i can't let Zack snyder win <laughs> well I, I mean I, I plan on picking it up eventually the reason i don't have it yet is because i rewatched it just a few years ago and so i'm kind of like well you know i'll i'll get it when i want to rewatch it again on 4k but uh that that would be the just the extra push that i need that would get me to buy it so well i've heard nothing but wonderful things about that particular 4k disc mm -hmm. um so whenever you do end up adding it to your collection um i'm sure it'll be a grand old time but i i'm kind of right there with you about 300 um i saw it in the theater when it when it came out and uh i seem to remember walking out of the theater with my two friends and just being like well that was a movie like <laughs> that was really loud i think was like one of the things my friend said <laughs> like it's very loud uh, there's a lot of nonsensical ranting it's very repetitive perhaps mm -hmm. by design um but yeah it, just something about it like it, it for the time especially um from an audio visual standpoint it really was a game changer um but in terms of like my overall enjoyment of the experience it's like you know i don't know if this is for me um some sometimes like you gotta you gotta have a few more tricks in your book than you know uh speed ramping in your action scenes and you know like a general like bronzed tone to the color palette um really excessive use of choir from time to time and you know that that frank miller dialogue it works a little better on the page than it does on the screen sometimes <laughs> i'll say that much yeah, yeah. <laughs> i mean we've just seen Zack snyder but, do this sort of thing so many times since that it's kind of you know like you said at the time it was kind of like a big deal back then now it's like kind of just par for the course for the guy so 
Um, but I would like to revisit it because it's been a long time for me. So maybe maybe I'd like it more than I remember. I don't know. But yeah, I feel like I I could definitely rewatch it. I think that's actually probably why the movie resonated with so many people is it is pretty watchable. Like you could put you could put it on network television, edited and flipping channels. I could see a lot of people stopping on it just because it's so visual, um, and because it's essentially one giant action scene with a lot of politicking in between, which is something that's easy to forget about the structure of that film. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just remember myself being very passive. Like I was deeply disengaged with the experience when it was unfolding. I was like, eh, it's pretty okay it's <laughs> like okay abs everywhere wonderful it's <laughs> like is that michael fassbender <laughs> of course i didn't say that because it was 2007 nobody over here anyway knew who he was but mm-hmm. um and also david wenham is a badass was like i i was not expecting that because i remember um one of the only other movies i had seen him in at that point was i think it was the van helsing movie with hugh jackman and he plays like the weasley monk guy and then he shows up in this and he's like captain abs with an eye patch and i'm like oh okay acting (laughs) but um shutter island is actually a martin scorsese movie that's long been on my watch list but i still haven't gotten around to it i'm kind of kicking myself over it yeah i i love shutter island i know that's a little bit of a i'm in the minority there i'm and i don't think it's like scorsese's best by any means but i really enjoy it and i would probably say his best of the 2010s honestly for me at least my favorite of his of the 2010s um i mean wolf of wall street is great very watchable but that foo fighters song drop it w- never can get over that anytime i think oh yeah i love wolf of wall street it's one of scorsese's best of this uh, century i just think of that ever long foo fighter drop and it's just, ugh, it's terrible. Not that I hate the Foo Fighters, but it is one for a guy who's, you know, career. He's got so many great song drops, and he's known for his soundtracks. It is just egregious. But uh, Shutter Island is, uh, yeah, it's a very good horror film, and um, yeah, very like just watchable as well. Like you know, even having seen it a few times, it's just kind of a film I can put on and enjoy anytime, just because the. The story and the setting being on a, you know, in a sort of insane asylum on an island during a storm. It's just fun setting, and DiCaprio and Mark Ruffalo are great in it. Well, just on a conceptual level, I'm intrigued by that because I've always said that <clears throat> even though I haven't seen all of his films, if you look at his filmography, uh, you can tell that Scorsese just likes film. Mm-hmm. Like he just loves filmmaking. He's not the guy who makes mob movies. He's not the guy who makes criminal movies. He just makes movies, and he likes he likes branching out. He likes trying new things. And Shutter Island is definitely like him dipping his toes into a completely different genre. Like Hugo, for instance, is like okay, yeah. this is new. And I forget was the Last Emperor him, and he did yeah, a few think, like yep, musical yep. documentaries as well like about the rolling stones and stuff he's he has a diverse catalog that's easy to forget about and it's for that reason that like i think it would be kind of neat to explore some of the some of the lesser known titles in his film catalog especially because like i've i've heard the the cast is very uh carefully selected for shutter island mm-hmm. where it's like a bunch of character actors who are known for being like creepy archetypes and stuff and it's like yeah Hmm. Just this, just this particular arrangement of faces. It's like, whoa. 
Um, this has a weird vibe to it. I f- I'm not sure what to make of this now. <laughs> and a lot of them are in it for like, they only have one scene, but like they just like, it's an, always a memorable scene. They nail it. Um, like, uh, uh, what's her name? Patricia Clarkson, Clarkston. Um, she's got a great moment. Um, Ted Levine, Buffalo Bill, he's in it for a little bit. Um, you know, just, yeah, these character actors popping up and just, they're in it for maybe five minutes, but they nail it. And, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely up there as uh, one of one of my upper tier Scorsese's in my opinion. But uh, I know some people don't like the ending, but I I think it works. All right, well, um, I may have to bump this up to the top of the list now that's on 4K. But um, does Ted Levine show up and ask Leo DiCaprio? She a big old fat person. <laughs> uh, I can't deny it, but I want to say probably not. But I can't remember. He he may he may that may have come up at some point because they are looking for somebody. It's his it's his one scene in the movie. <laughs> I don't remember if the person they're looking uh, for is fat though, but maybe. <laughs> I mean, I would be giggling if that was the case. Like if I was on the set and there was a. You know, a heavy set woman around. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. hey, Ted, say it. <laughs> um, but moving on, um, we have, uh, I'm not sure if this is debuting on the format on Blu ray, but we have a Michael J. Fox movie by the name of The Secret of My Success. Um, not known to me, but he, that pose is a pose I've seen Michael J. Fox in many a time. I want to say that maybe they use that same pose for like Teen Wolf or something. Um, yeah. Uh, we, yeah, for real. Um, they also have uh, the release of Star Trek colon Picard season one on Blu-ray. I've heard some shit about that. Um, yeah, and we have. Uh, I don't know. It, I don't know if this is uh, debuting on the format, but uh, I think I've brought this up in conversation with you before. Uh, Drop Dead Gorgeous from 1999. Um, I really like this movie. <laughs> Um, have you seen it, Brad? I've never seen this one. No, I've, I've, I know of it, but, uh, I don't, I guess I don't know a ton of it. I just know its title and somewhat of its reputa- reputation. It's a, it's a very good time. It's, it's like a, it's a documentary, like a fake documentary, um, about a, like a beauty queen, uh, pageant. And mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it takes place in Minnesota. You have that infectious accent, uh, accent <laughs> um, and uh the cast is really well-rounded and it's it's a ton of fun i don't know why it is i'm so familiar with it i think my parents rented it when i was a kid and i, I probably watched it more than one time uh, just in that weekend we had it but i i would recommend it it's a lot of fun yeah great uh picture quality rating on blu-ray.com five out of five Damn, uh, they don't give those out like yeah. Anything, man. The film's 35 millimeter roots are preserved flawlessly with a grain-rich picture that's loaded with fine detail. Whew, I might have to pick this up just for that. <laughs> I mean, it's not often you get to hear such glowing reviews on Blu-ray.com. They, I mean, they're fair but they're firm. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah. Um, beside that, we have a uh, a film that I kind of got blasted by the critics when it came out and i believe it came out during covid like officially uh the tax collector from i believe this was david ayer uh this is yep. a 4k release um stars shia labeouf and uh yeah i've i've heard nothing but awful things about this movie and yet i'm still kind of intrigued by it for some reason 
Yeah, I'm uh, I'm curious, and uh, this release here is uh, a 4K steelbook, and it's a Best Buy exclusive. I don't know if it has like a regular release yet, or if there's a regular release planned, but I will say, uh, I forget how cheap it was, but it was the, the 4K steelbook right now at Best Buy. I noticed the price, and it was very cheap, very tempting, even though it would be a blind buy on a movie that I've heard nothing but bad things about. I was very tempted because I do kind of want to see it at some point. So I came close to pulling the trigger. Didn't quite get there yet, but we'll see. We still got a week where it's at that price. So come talk to me on Saturday. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think I can justify buying it. Um, I might like red box it or something if I have a free weekend. Um, mm-hmm. David Ayer is such man. He's he's like less than a coin toss now. I hate to say it, like <laughs> like. Be, like we i think we bring him up all the time on this fucking show but yeah you like, guys do yeah the yeah. man made yeah the man made fury and everybody was like okay i think i'm on board with this guy and then he just keeps making shit yeah. <laughs> and and he seems to have like an obsession like like I, I don't even think it's a tendency i think it's an obsession with like a, a particular aesthetic that I, I think it's derived either from cartel culture or like the LA gang scene or something, but just his shit always looks the same. <laughs> it's like, it's getting tiresome at this point. Um, and yet for some reason I still kind of want to see it. <laughs> All right. So uh, moving on, uh, we have another Michael J. Fox film this time partnered with uh, Kyle's least favorite person on the internet, James Woods, <laughs> uh, in something called The Hard Way. <laughs> um, we also have our first Criterion release for the month, uh, Pierre Le Fou, uh, from 1965. Pierrot Le Fou. Um, I don't know this one, but as we always say on the show, uh, if it's in the Criterion collection, it's probably worth your time. Um, we have what I have to assume is a re-release of Battlefield Earth. Um, oh, I think this is actually, I think this is the first time. It's been, I think this is the first time it's been on Blu-ray. Actually, are you fucking kidding me? I think so. I because I just looked it up and I didn't oh, see any previously right. uh, previously re- releases. So, well, brought to us by the grant, like the great folks over at Mill Creek Entertainment. <laughs> so you know it's going to be a, a classy release. Um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it has a subtitle that I've never seen before in in uh, previous releases. Battlefield Earth colon a saga of the year three thousand. Um, this movie's trash, but I want to say it's enjoyable trash. Like there was a stretch of time where the internet was declaring it like one of the worst movies ever made. That is that is not true, not by a long shot. Um, in fact, I do derive entertainment from it at times i've seen it maybe twice (laughs) i don't i I don't know what it is about it i think it has to do with uh john travolta's performance like his commitment to the role and his acting talent (laughs) (laughs) um it's it's trash but it's i don't know it's enjoyable trash it's it's a good time if you have some buddies around that can laugh at it with you yeah i've never uh seen it all the way through i did uh watch it about halfway through with uh some friends and i i think it might have been me who i was like let's just turn this off let's let's do something else i mean not that's not the worst decision in the world like you you really aren't missing anything if you walk away from it no. mm-hmm. me personally i had some fun but yeah, um yeah. moving on down we have a release of curse of the undead from 1959 that's kind of a cool cover 
Um, and then yeah. we have a two-pack of uh, two interesting comedies here. We have Big Bully and Wrongfully Accused. Um, have you seen Big Bully, Brad? No, this is actually the first I'm hearing of it. Okay, it's uh, Tom Arnold and Rick Moranis. And this is a secretly terrifying, like, I think it's a Disney movie. <laughs> but Really? Um, it's kind of an interesting concept. Like, I, this movie isn't good, but it's fascinating. Because basically it's about um, two kids who grew up together and uh, young Tom Arnold bullied young Rick Moranis. And young Rick Moranis frames him for, like, uh, stealing, I think it's a meteorite fragment from the museum or something on a field trip. So he frames him and it gets him like put in like juvenile hall or like in like a detention area or something and it completely derails his life. Um, and then Rick Moranis becomes like an author or something and he ends up coming back to his hometown as an adult. Um, and the two, their, cro- their paths cross again at, in adulthood. And Tom Arnold finds his reason for being in reassuming his status as his bully as an adult. So he lives in like a... a an RV or a trailer with his like horrible family, but he's like, I found my purpose in life. It's not to raise my family and like teach my kids how to be good people. It's to harass the shit out of this kid, this guy <laughs> who I went to school with when we were kids. It's like, whoa, this is like true mental illness shit. And Tom Arnold really uh swings through the fences because you know he's kind of a live wire in that way. But um, it's not good, but it's 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 oddly like frightening at times. <laughs> Yeah, I'm kind of curious. I'd be curious to check it out. I hope um, Rick Moranis would get royalties on this because we should all be buying Rick Moranis movies right now because of uh, the incident that happened with him. Let's throw him some cash. Uh, He's too proud to have a GoFundMe, but uh, he was attacked in in front of his home. And so let's uh, let's help pay for some of his bills by buying Big Bully on Blu-ray. Let's help him out. Uh, yeah, I mean, as far as I remember, he was like poised for a comeback too. Like, I don't. I hopefully this didn't uh, derail that because, like, shortly before that, he uh, he popped up on a a Canadian commercial with a fellow Canadian, uh, Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. And uh, and then I think there's been a lot of talk about another uh, Honey I Shrunk or Honey I Did the Something or Other to the Kids <laughs> movie. Um, which I would hope would include him. So um, hopefully this doesn't get in the way of uh, that comeback. Yeah, I hope not. Very weird timing. Very weird. Not saying anything's going on, but I don't know. Maybe some somebody somebody doesn't want Honey I Shrunk the Kids to have a fourth <laughs> film. Some something might be going on here. <laughs> um, but yeah, and Wrongfully Accused is of course one of the many many uh, Leslie Nielsen parody comedies that were coming out in the '90s. Uh, completely. Uh, sent his career down a different path around the time of uh what was it it was it's not a it wasn't the naked gun that came right after but it was, i forget the name of the tv series that gave way to naked gun but uh, wrongfully accused was not bad um i'm not sure if i prefer that or spy hard but they're both good <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah um uh moving on down though we have uh, snow white a tale of terror starring sigourney weaver um i've never seen this but the uh, the VHS of it, I remember the box art. It is not this cover. This cover is terrible. Um, the the VHS cover was legitimately kind of creepy because it was. I think it was Sigourney Weaver in like the the old hag makeup. Um, mm-hmm. So from the Snow White story, uh, when the witch is uh, the queen is in disguise, um, and it was pretty 
grim makeup. It was pretty grisly looking. Um, I never saw it. I think my mom rented, and she probably turned it off like halfway through because I seem to remember her going back to the store the same day. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I didn't. I've never heard of this before, and just looking at the cover, I just assumed it was some VOD trash from 2020, just because that's what the cover kind of looks like. And you told me like starring Sigourney Weaver, and I still thought it was from 2020, and I was like, wow, she is not doing good these days. I'm like, she's starring in this. But knowing that this wasn't the actual <laughs> cover, and it's from '97, okay, I'm I feel better. I was like, I, I felt real bad for her there for a second. No, she was probably filming this like on the weekends when they were doing Alien Resurrection or something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, this uh, this movie next to it though, uh, probably a direct-to-video release, but uh, the Pale Door uh, is this one known to you at all, Brad? Um, no, the only thing uh, that's a slightly of interest to it for me is that on the cover it says, uh, written by the writer of Bubba Hotep and Cold in July. I have not seen Bubba Hotep, but, uh, I, I have seen Cold in July and I, I like that movie quite a bit. It's only the writer, so it, uh, my interest isn't that peaked, but slightly peaked. There's a slight peak going on. Okay. Uh, looks like Melora Walters uh, headlines the cast. Uh, she's generally reliable. She puts in good performances. Um, mm-hmm. The cover art uh, has a bit of a bone tomahawk vibe, minus the uh, Kurt Russell element, which is yeah. a big knock against it, unfortunately. <laughs> um, but uh, moving on, we have a uh, our first Arrow release uh, for the month. That would be The Deeper You Dig from 2019. Um, you're generally... Uh, you generally have your finger more to the pulse of the horror film scene than I do, Brad. Is this one known to you? Um, no. I mean, I think I had heard of this movie simply because uh, Arrow released it. But, yeah, I don't know much about it. Um, but it, I don't know. It seems like, just based on the cover, kind of seems like you got a bit of a shallow grave kind of And just the title, I guess. You got a bit of a shallow grave situation here. I like that film. And, I don't know, I'm slightly curious Uh you know, I'm always down for buying a new Arrow film, but I probably wouldn't do a blind buy on it. But uh, it's, you know, it's on my radar. My interest is a little more peaked on this one than uh, The Pale Door or whatever the last one was. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. Yeah. Um. Well, let's uh, move on down the list here, Brad. And uh, I don't know about you, but the next one that jumps out at me is, uh, oh, Apparently, Eli Roth had a TV series of some sort, uh, The History of Horror, season one. I, I did um, watch the uh, first episode. Um, it was okay. It was each episode kind of covers a you know a different genre, uh, like zombies, vampires, slashers. Um, and he you know he's got a lot. He's got a pretty big uh, panel of guests that he interviews. Uh, so it's kind of fun to watch for that. Although I, I believe I don't know if it's still out there, but. Um, they did release his individual interviews with all the uh, celebrities as podcasts, so you could also just consume it that way if you wanted. Oh, well, I, I might do that, because, I mean, one thing about Eli Roth, and funny enough, you and I were talking about him before we started recording, is that his his enthusiasm is hard to deny. Um, it's kind He's kind of like Jack Black in that way. It's like, not not everything Jack Black does is a hit, but you believe that he's having a good time doing it and Mm -hmm. you know sometimes that's enough it has there's a infectious quality that comes with that and sometimes eli roth that's enough um to make up for like his i don't know his 
his various isms when it comes he has a lot of tendencies and quirks that come up in his writing and stuff that you're either there for it or you're not but <laughs> you can tell he's having fun yeah and sometimes it works sometimes it doesn't but um him sitting down with like his idols and stuff i bet would actually be a lot of fun to just hear him you know nerd out but definitely um Speaking of Shudder, though, uh, beside that, apparently we have a Shudder original um, in the form of a film called Yummy from 2019. Uh, do you know this one, Brad? <laughs> uh, this is news to me. Um, I, I did notice it when it came out on uh, Blu-ray, and I saw it, and I said, oh, I have Shudder. I didn't even know that was a thing. Apparently it's a Shudder original, but, uh, yeah, I don't know much about this. Probably won't be uh, watching it before I unsubscribe from shutter but they just keep keep roping me back in i still have not been able to cut the cord with them there's always something they've got a new documentary coming exclusive to their service uh focusing on william friedkin and the exorcist and i said oh man that's a hook and it it premieres the day where my shutter subscription renews for the month so there's another month right there of course so yeah (laughs) they're just they have like a counter going down on on your account in particular and they're like this fucking show him (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they know what i like and they know when my subscription (laughs) renews yeah yeah uh what else jumps it out at you brad you take a swing uh not too much more for this week i gotta be honest um other than a uh, re-release of Mission Impossible Fallout, which uh, I won't be picking up, but uh, do love me some Mission Impossible Fallout, and I've been kind of in the mood to revisit the entire franchise. But uh, yeah, a lot of stuff here for the rest of this week that I don't really know of. Okay, well, I can point out uh, a couple that are noteworthy in in my neck of the woods, anyway. Um, So we have a... uh, a U.S. release, um, I would assume, put out by WellGo because every martial arts movie ever these days is released by WellGo, um, of Invincible Dragon from 2019. Um, I picked up the Hong Kong version of this, like, I don't know, six, nine months ago or so. This movie's trash. (laughs) (laughs) But um, when it comes to martial arts cinema these days, it's it's an interesting thing uh, because like martial arts on film is alive and well like like you can't go on Instagram like and not find people doing some sort of stunt work if you're looking for it like there's there's tons of people that are doing this stuff it's just where that work ends up these days is what makes it difficult um, that's actually part of my complaint when it comes to the series format um, when it comes to consuming entertainment is that for me like great action slash fight scenes um it's almost like uh it's almost like wrestlemania (laughs) where they have a they have this phenomenon that happens where if if a great if a great match happens at wrestlemania it serves as like a a touchstone that future generations can come back to where you can just say the you can say the phrase wrestlemania 10 and people go oh Shawn michaels razor ramon the ladder match it's it's very easy to remember it's very easy to reference um but if you really dig deep it's like oh you know tons of ladder matches have happened throughout wrestling history but having it happen at that venue at that event is what made the big difference um, in terms of having people come back to it and, and be able to reference it um so all my ramblings aside what i'm trying to say is that uh, a lot of 
fantastic martial arts and stunt work is getting done on the daily but it's ending up in like tv series and like netflix shows and stuff that i seriously doubt anyone 15 20 years from now is going to remember like those specific scenes like you might have a handful here and there like daredevil people can go can reference the uh the pseudo one take uh and the the hallway fight as mm-hmm. they usually call it and stuff um but there's there's so many network television shows and stuff that employ these stunt workers who uh, put in fantastic work day in and day out but when it comes to people like really getting a chance to see see that work and reference it in years to come i don't know that that's going to immortalize their efforts as well as like a movie would um because you can just put in the disc and get right to it or yeah you you can like associate that title or the prestige behind the film itself along with the work that went into it but um invincible dragon is headlined by max zhang uh, who i think he was michelle yo's uh stunt double um around the time she was doing like crouching tiger hidden dragon um and funny enough they ended up fighting each other in a a a, a Man spin-off movie and it was kind of funny seeing like oh I doubled you. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> hmm, we kind of move similar, don't we? <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess we do. Um, but uh, in recent years, because there's like kind of a dearth of a like headlining martial arts talent, he kind of got promoted to like headlining status, even though he's a stunt double. And he, yeah. he is charismatic. He does have a way about him, but he's he's not the guy. It's just there's no one else. Um and the whole hook of this movie is that he fights Anderson Silva, who's, of course, one of the best UFC middleweights in history. Um, it's, it's okay. They have a couple scraps. It's, it's not bad. I think I sent you a clip of the finale of the film, though. Um, it involves a giant CGI siege dragon um, mm-hmm. flipping yeah. uh, Anderson Silva on its tail. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> comes out of nowhere because there's zero supernatural elements in the in the rest of the film. It's exact. It's just that scene. <laughs> um, so, um, if nothing else, uh, we got that. Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah. Uh, rant over, but I'm gonna have to proceed into one more um, because we also saw um, the release of uh, Mobile Suit Gundam Narrative. Um, from 2018 uh, so that was the the western release of it um, and because Japanese blu-rays are like $80 uh, I waited those two years uh, to see this movie um, and I gotta say it's uh, it's not bad like I was expecting it to be complete trash like I was expecting it to be just nothing but fan service and noise um, but it actually has a narrative uh, you know fitting being as the title of the movie is colon narrative um but uh yeah it's a visually stunning uh it, it's it's a gundam movie that actually makes some sense which is saying a lot being as most gundam movies don't make a lick of sense even if you're uh down with the canon and whatnot like i am um but yeah that was a treat to finally get that after two years of being aware that it's it's out there it's available it's just i can't get my hands on it um but anything else for this week um i'll just say one thing about ashfall it's a korean um disaster drama um they make those every one i think they make them like once a year (laughs) it's usually some natural disaster somewhere of like some note like the host is kind of along the same lines um i think there was a haven day it's about like a, a typhoon or something 
um yeah this this kind of falls under that category korean disaster movies are always a good time and this one has a stacked cast <laughs> uh I might actually watch this one. I'm not going to yeah. buy it, but I, I would totally watch that. Looks like a volcano um, is the disaster, I'm assuming. Yeah, I think it, I mean, almost every North, every Korean, like, like blockbuster movie usually involves um, some sort of, like, I don't know, like a North Korean defector or some sort of political drama on top of there being a natural disaster. So I think that is right. the plot. Like, like okay. it's some North Korean politician or spy or something trying to cross the border during a fucking volcanic eruption (laughs) (laughs) so it's like yes drama (laughs) take note of that hollywood that's what you need to do you need to add volcanoes to more of your action movies because why the fuck not (laughs) it would make pretty much every action movie better yeah yeah i mean jaws with a volcano (laughs) wait they've probably made that i mean (laughs) sci-fi channel has probably made five of those yeah yeah that's true that is true yeah, but um, yeah, that's about it for for that week, I guess. So let's move on to October thirteenth, and uh, Brad, um, I'll let you have first swing. Uh, what jumps out at you? Well, I would say probably for uh, collectors, might be the biggest release of the month. We have the Friday the Thirteenth collection, um, complete collection, every Friday the Thirteenth movie. Um, this is from Scream Factory. And, uh, you know, it's a great-looking set, a very complete set for collectors and fans of the franchise, although we have kind of already talked about this. I believe it was on Tales from the Shelf. I kind of brought this up, how there are some issues with uh, some of the discs, and Shout Factory has been forced to do a replacement program for them. Uh, So just be aware if you do purchase this that you will probably want to uh, do a replacement program. Um one of the movies is like missing some gore shots. There's some 3D issues with uh, part three and uh, a few a few other things as well. So just uh, be aware of that. But uh, I don't know if I'm going to pick this up because even though I love horror movies, I've never been super big on the uh, Friday the 13th films. Um, I do own the sort of uh, bare bones eight movie collection. It's got the first eight films. And I already I do own the uh, the remake, the most recent version. So there's only like two or three that I don't already own. So I I might not pick this up. I mean there are some new transfers here, and I assume some new bonus features as well. Um, and it looks very nice. The packaging is excellent. But uh, I don't know. We'll see when I get to uh, December if I still haven't hit my threshold for my Best Buy uh, Elite Plus membership. Um, I might pull the trigger on this if it's still available just to get over that threshold, but for now I'm holding off on it. All right, that, that's fair. Um, have you heard any updates or any news about like future printings of, of this particular box set? Like they're, they're going to take steps to correct everything? Uh, I haven't really heard too much. I haven't looked into it too much either just because I... Uh, haven't bought it or have, don't plan on necessarily buying it right away. Um, and I don't know how, uh, like, many uh, copies they're going to produce of this because at first, from what I understand, um, they kind of made it seem like it was going to be very limited edition and some fans were, so, I, like, you know, hardcore Friday the 13th fans pre-ordered this day one and then Shout Factory kind of came out and said, oh, it's we've had such a great response, we're going to print more of them. And, of course, uh, that pissed a lot of people off. 
So I don't know how many of these are uh, going to be out there in the wild or not, but it looks like you can still buy it. So it's not like they're uh, flying off the shelves right now. Um, but yeah, I mean, let's be honest. I'm sure at some point I will buy this because I might regret <laughs> it otherwise. <laughs> Well, I mean, you said you're not a huge fan of the franchise. Um, I I probably am a bigger fan of the Friday the 13th movies than you are. Um, probably, yeah. I I just like them for their simplicity. Um, I, I I like slasher movies in general, and uh, Friday the 13th is kind of like it's the it's the gold standard as far as dumb slasher movies go. It's it's so simple and straightforward. Um, usually the movies are laughing at themselves anyway, so if you laugh along with it, you're gonna have a grand old time. Um, but yeah, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy this mostly because I, I have an aversion to purchasing horror films. Um, I, I don't know what it is. It's just not something that I find myself wanting to put in my player and be like, oh, I want to watch some people get chopped up. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, I'm, I'm not condemning people that, that have those thoughts. I mean, I. I consume these movies quite readily. In fact, before we recorded, I was telling you how I was plowing through the Hatchet films uh, just out of morbid curiosity. And, you know, they're, they're not half bad as far as slasher movies go. Um, fun little uh, nerd factoid that was kind of fun. Um, I've brought him up on the show previously, but um, probably on that very uh, Tales from the Shelf episode. But uh, Derek Mears, uh, the fellow that plays Jason Voorhees in the remake of Friday the 13th, um, is a expendable human in uh, Hatchet Three, mm. um, and of course Victor Crowley, the t- like the Hatchet Man uh, from those films, is played by Kane Hodder, um, who most famously played Jason Voorhees, and I think it was through in uh, Seven through Nine. Um, the two of them exchange blows at one point, and it's 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 a good fanboy moment where it's like, hey, that's Jason. But but that's Jason. <laughs> like, that's cool. why are that's they cool. fighting? They're the same guy. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the very handsome package. I I hope they uh, get their shit together and like, you know, put out a definitive version that doesn't require people to mail their discs back. Because I I know you've said in the past they have a stellar reputation, like even in dealing with you personally, um, in handling returns oh, yeah. and reimbursements and stuff. But I, I would hate to buy something knowing that there's a very good chance one third of it or something is a lemon. <laughs> like that, that just yeah. doesn't sit well with me personally. That's true. But I mean, it's almost like you're going to get three discs for free. So just pass those along to your friends for uh, white elephant gifts this year or something like that. You know what I mean? Like uh, they're not, they're not going <laughs> to know the difference. They'll be like, Oh cool. A movie. It's not in a case or anything, but sure. <laughs> it's like, yeah, here, Timmy, here's a, Friday the Thirteenth Seven. It was like I haven't seen any of the others. It's like, well, you may as well start with Seven, Timmy. <laughs> and here, here's Friday the Thirteenth Part Three in 3D. I don't have a 3D TV. Well, sorry, it's uh, it's the version you're getting right now. It's like, yeah, well, nobody else does too, Timmy. So, <laughs> um, but beside that, uh, beautiful box set uh we have an arrow release of kevin smith's small rats from 1995 um i think this was the first kevin smith movie i ever saw um what do you have any thoughts on kevin smith as a director or mall rats in particular um i have not seen mall rats uh in terms of kevin smith as a director i might just uh abstain from commenting just because uh <laughs> you know it's better to just 
not say anything at all than to be mean. No, I don't know. I mean, I don't dislike him, but I'm I'm just not a huge fan. Um, I mean, like, you know, I respect the guy, and I think he seems like a genuinely nice guy, but uh, his films never really hit me at a, a level. I was a little too young, you know, when Clerks and Mallrats were all the rage. So by the time I kind of got into Kevin Smith, it was, you know, a, he, his stuff was a little dated. Um, but, you know, he seems like he seems like a stand-up guy. He seems like a nice dude. I'll say that. <laughs> that That's fair enough. Um, and you're not wrong. He's not, he is not a talented filmmaker, mm-hmm. but um, seems to be a, a theme for this episode. Um, passion without talent. Um, I wouldn't call Eli Roth a particularly talented filmmaker either, but... Much like Kevin Smith, he's passionate. Um, he throws himself into his work, and you can see you can see the enthusiasm on the screen. And with Kevin Smith, you you really get that vibe. Um, it's for me personally, it's like I I can concede that most of his films aren't very good, and the dialogue is a uh, it's a mouthful. It's like none of this sounds natural, not like not by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but at the same time, like being as I've I've had ambitions to like make films of my own and I've like written scripts and stuff and made shit with my friends in the backyard. It's it's kind of like seeing someone actually do that, only they mm-hmm. never really got good at it. <laughs> so so it, it's it's kind of neat, and I I enjoy his uh his place in the film industry because he's just always around. like like, every time you think he's done like he almost died a few years ago but he still hangs around these days it seems like he's he's mostly just making movies as an excuse to keep his daughter busy or something um Mm -hmm. and he has his podcast the fat man on batman or whatever Um, i think they had to change it to fat man beyond because uh warner brothers got kind of irritated with him oh really but um his podcast is fun because they do a lot of insider baseball because uh, Mark Bernardin is a an active uh, film writer and critic that uh, they do like a, a two-man show. It's it's good time. So I, I appreciate Kevin Smith, even though I don't think many of his films are that great. <laughs> I, I just remembered because I, I mentioned that I'd been re-watching the Scream movies. I just remembered the Jay and Silent Bob cameo in Scream 3. I think I might have to drop my rating half star. I kind of forgot about that moment. That was absolutely brutal. Absolutely brutal. Am I wrong in thinking that Scream 3 is the least of that series? No, you are absolutely right. It is okay. it's real bad. Yeah. Okay. That that's what I remember cuz yeah. like I have I have some memories of 2 and 4, but for some reason 3 is just like a black hole of nothingness in my mind. Yeah, the only good thing about three is, like you said, it's a black hole of nothingness. So <laughs> when you rewatch it, you don't remember who the killer is. So it's almost like you're trying to figure it out for the first time again. That's the only good thing about the movie. No, I bet you if I put it on right now, I'd be like, I've never seen this. <laughs> like I would yeah, have yeah. no idea what's going on. Um, <laughs> yeah. But um, beside Mallrats, we have a a 4K release of Darren Aronofsky's Requiem for a Dream. And this is one of those big ones that uh, Kyle has been poking me about seeing for uh, as long as I've known him. And I, to this day, I have yet to see this film. Yeah, it's a, it's a great film. Um, certainly one that, uh, you know, the cliche is like, you're only going to, you're only going to watch it once. Um me, I, I watched it once, and I said, I'm only going to watch it once, but then uh, in college, I sat all my friends down and made them watch it all together on a Friday night. 
<laughs> so I've only watched it ah. twice. But, uh, yeah, a little weird. Seems like a weird choice for 4K. I probably won't be upgrading this anytime soon, but it is definitely worth watching. It is a very, very good film. Just a tough one to get through. Yeah, I mean, the general assessment of Darren Aronofsky as a director is that he's he's very, very talented, even though um, some of his interviews he can come across as kind of a prick. Yeah. Um, maybe that's because he's very, very talented and he knows it, but um, interesting filmography. I'll give him that much. He had, he had that spell where he was really into um, performance, like performers and performance as a concept like of like in the wrestler and black swan and stuff and i really enjoyed those and then he got biblical with uh uh, noah and uh mother which um Mm -hmm. noah that is that's a strange film um i don't know what i got out of that but i did watch it and mother i thought was incredible um i i really appreciated that film Uh, there's a lot to it um yeah yeah pretty it's pretty brutal at times it's not for everyone but um for me personally it's like this is a very rich experience um so if you can stomach it i I think it's worth your time yeah i i I liked mother i didn't love it on a first watch but i've only seen it the one time and i would be curious to go back and uh watch it again um i do believe that my uh initial reading of the film i was uh pretty far off um (laughs) but although i think my reading could still uh still hold water but I, I i did miss a few key things on a first watch without reading into it at all but um yeah i i, I like the guy not maybe not him but his movies <laughs> <laughs> um i don't know if this would sail right over your head brad but um kyle and i both watched uh, mother around the same time we didn't do an episode on it for catching up on cinema but we did watch it and like exchange notes about it and uh, I think I sent him a clip from Mad TV right after I finished it. Um, I'm not sure how familiar you are with the early goings of that particular show, but there was a sketch uh, called the Iraq. It's a, it's a, it happened during the beginning of the Iraq War, um, and it's a, it's like a fake uh, product unveiling where it's Steve Jobs unveiling the Iraq, and he keeps putting more and more things into the Iraq, and people, people are screaming from the audience. We need to, we need to pull out of Iraq. <laughs> <laughs> and that was That's kind of good. my, that was I, I couldn't help but think of that during the like the climactic moments of Mother, where it's like, oh my yeah, god, yeah. people keep showing up, and they won't leave. <laughs> <laughs> I was I was like this is my own personal hell just like endless bodies piling into my home that won't leave. <laughs> yeah, now try watching that movie in 2020, it's even scarier. I'm sure. Yeah, <laughs> actually Kyle was saying uh, on the episode we recorded just the other day that like he he was watching a movie from like 2013 that had a crowd scene and he was like getting uppity. He was like you're not abiding by the rules. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah. oh wait, it's the past. That was okay. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, but um, beside Requiem for a Dream, we have a 4K release. I believe this is the uh, debut for this film in the format, but it's a 4K release of District 9, Neil Blomkamp's District 9. Um, you have any thoughts on Neil Blomkamp? Uh, you know, I don't dislike the guy, uh, but, you know, maybe I'll, I just won't say anything at all again. No, um, I mean, I, I like District 9. <laughs> I... <laughs> I like, I, you know, I found some of Elysium enjoyable. Um, I just don't think the guy has, like, made anything that's, like, outstanding. I think 
pretty much everyone would say District 9 is his best film, and even that one for me wasn't... I was never as head over heels with it as a lot of people seem to be when it first came out. But, you know, I like the guy's style, and he's uh, he's definitely a filmmaker who, when he comes out with another film, I will definitely be interested. Even something like Chappie, which I don't think is very good, it was at least interesting for certain reasons, so... Yeah, Chippy. Chippy was just like a a love letter to um, what's the Durr something or other. It's the band that serves as the main cast of the yeah, film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's it just seemed like an excuse for him to hang out with them, <laughs> the South African band. Um, they're very well respected, as far as I know, um, for their music anyway. Um, I'm pretty sure he's a big fan. But yeah, Chippy was not for everyone. Um, I I do love uh, performance capture technology though. Um, so Charlotte mm-hmm. Copley being chippy was that was and that was entertaining for me personally. Um, but yeah, from a like a pure aesthetic standpoint, I I love the look of his movies, um, the production design and the the art and just the way he frames action and stuff. Like he he loves guns. <laughs> he makes guns look sexy as hell. Um, much more so than David Ayer, who like puts that layer of grime on everything. That just like he look David Ayer. I guarantee you, I can guarantee three things that will be in almost every David Ayer movie, at least that take place in modern times. Because like, I think he wrote U five seven one, so he his aesthetic sensibilities couldn't be in a nineteen forties film. But anything, any contemporary David Ayer movie will have copious amounts of tattoos, um, lots of guns. And not only that, the guns will have lots of tracer rounds, because that I've noticed that in every movie he makes, for some reason, tracers are a thing he likes to put in his movies. Like it, every gun in his movie has to have that laser beam shoot out of it every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Neil Blomkamp, he loves guns and he loves gadgets, and oftentimes his action set pieces seem like nothing but an excuse to just show gadgets do stuff. It's like this no real narrative reason things need to play out that way but i guess it looked cool and and yeah that's my feeling on elysium in particular is like i own that movie but it's only because of the way it looks like the narrative is clunky as shit mm-hmm. and um even the action scenes are usually too short to be rewarding um i did like that district nine was brutally violent at times yep. <laughs> but yep. um forevermore like I, he strikes me as the kind of guy who he has a lot to offer. He just hasn't found like the right script and all signs point to him being the guy to like, to make, to give us a new RoboCop because transhumanism, transhumanism is like his theme. He's explored it in like, I think literally every movie he's made, um, even like short films he's made. Um, so it's like, you know, he was on the docket to do that. In fact, he was on the docket to make an alien movie that was about like, cross-pollination between aliens and humans kind of like they did in alien resurrection so it's like he's trending in that direction but um i don't know if maybe he's difficult to deal with or maybe he has a tendency to go over budget or something but he keeps getting projects taken away from him which is a problem if you're trying to have like a consistent output of good films yeah i mean chappie was i I just looked it up 2015 so he hasn't had any feature film come out in five years and i was looking at what's upcoming on his filmography and there was like a couple things in development but nothing that'll be coming out anytime soon so yeah it's he's going through a bit of a dry spell i mean if you're a blomp camp head you're 
you're just going through withdrawals right now. Well, maybe uh, I know he started out as like kind of buddy buddy with Peter Jackson, um, and I think the buzz when he was making District Nine that it was supposed to be a Halo movie, um, and Peter Jackson with Peter Jackson rather was trying to get him to do that. Um, much like the Hobbit films weren't supposed to be his either. They were supposed to be Guillermo del Toro's. Pure, poor Peter Jackson. He, he has to do everything himself because <laughs> <laughs> the, the studio probably mandates it. But yeah. um, I don't know. I don't know how popular is Halo is with the kids, but back in my day, Halo was kind of a big deal. Not with me personally, but with people of a certain age range. Um, so, you know, uh, with, with COVID and whatnot, I wouldn't be surprised if Hollywood is a kind of drying up when it comes to like prestige scripts floating around out there so maybe they'll uh dive into the trash bin from 20 years ago or whatever and be like hey halo movie that sounds right <laughs> it's like it's still like halo right <laughs> although i i think uh halo tv series is confirmed is it not i'm pretty sure um, i mean i i couldn't give two shits about halo when it was like on top of the world so yeah, yeah that's the thing don't I, don't ask me to think about it today yeah, <laughs> i just remember hearing that the, who they cast as master chief um it's uh pablo schreiber i think is his name does I'll, it matter yeah uh, yeah like, i don't know if he's gonna take gimmick? off his helmet or i don't yeah, know isn't but. the gimmick he it's like judge dread he never takes off his helmet yeah but i mean i mean you look at the mandalorian and they got a pretty um you know, well-respected actor for that role, uh, Pedro Pascal, and he never takes off his helmet in that one. So I guess they're maybe they're trying to, you know, ape on the success of that a little bit. Well, I mean, physicality is a huge part of performance. It is one of my favorite parts of performance, which is why performance capture is so intriguing to me. But um, I don't know, man. Just get, like, a, a fantastic, like... I don't know, someone who does mime or something that involves like being very coordinated and being very precise in your movements and then get Michael fucking Ironside to do the voice. <laughs> okay, I, yeah, I can be down for that. Yeah, that's yeah. my vote, Michael Ironside. <laughs> <laughs> um, but moving on, we have a Scream Factory release, a Steelbook, being as it's the debut, and isn't it like the first month they can guarantee a Steelbook? Um, no, that's, uh, the slipcovers, um, slipcovers, three, three months, you get a slipcover guaranteed the steel books. If this is like how they do most of their steel books, they, uh, only produce like 5,000 of them. Um, which, uh, I know when they first started making these steel books, it was, they were like, you know, we're only producing 5,000 of these. If you don't get them, you do, you're out of luck. And I remember like people were like, Oh, we got to get this. We got to get this. And I can't remember what the first ones were, but like I saw them at Best Buy, months and months past so i've never been worried about a uh steelbook running out from scream factory uh this one though it's uh motel hell which i've never seen but i've wanted to see it for a long time because i remember seeing the cover um at the video store growing up like at blockbuster or whatever video store it was and always being intrigued by it and so i do kind of want to pick up this uh steelbook i think it i think it's a new uh transfer I believe, yeah, it's a 4K remaster, um, and I, I honestly, I w- was at Best Buy the other day. I had to make a return, and I had told myself if I uh, saw it there, I would have picked it up. And they had it; they had shelf space for it, but it was gone. So either somebody picked it up, or they just never put it out. Which it's probably more likely that they just have it in the back and never put it out. But I, I wasn't gonna bother asking, so haven't gotten it yet. But. Uh, <laughs> 
if I uh, see it in the wild, I'll get it, or I'm eventually I probably will just buy it online. Oh, I'm just picturing Brad with his friendliest, biggest smile. Do you have Motel Hell? <laughs> I tell you, no, I did that with Slaughter High, the vest. Yeah, I I saw it on because you can go on Blu-ray.com and there's a. A guy, uh, what, what's the video game series, Tyrock or T-Rock, with, where you fight dinosaurs or whatever? Oh, Turok. Turok, yeah. His username is that, so let's give him credit. He's a Best Buy insider, um, and he always posts, like, what will be available in store, and he's always, you know, responding to people's questions. And I saw him post that Slaughter High would be in store at Best Buys. And so that day, I, I think it was actually on Halloween that year, um, I went into the store and I checked like online. It said they had it in stock. Didn't find it anywhere because it was, of course, Tuesday and they don't put it out until later in the week usually, unfortunately. And so I went up to this one girl who I'd never seen at Best Buy before and I was like, do you have Slaughter High? And she's like, Slaughter High? And she was like, what are you talking about? And I don't know if she was new, but she like had trouble like looking in the system to see if they had it. I was like showing her on my phone. And I'm like, yeah, it just shows you guys have it in stock here. And of course, she just does the thing where she just walks up and down the aisles. Like, look, I'm like, no, I already looked here, but what? Well, okay, what? Well, and then finally, I convince her to go in the back. And five minutes later, she brings it out. But so I, I'm never going to deal with that again. It's not not worth it. But uh, yeah, I mean, so I didn't do that you for most. Just have Hall. a name tag. You should just get a name tag, Brad, and be like, come on. It, it's me we're dealing with. It, it's yeah. Brad. <laughs> Come on. I know you got it in the back. <laughs> I, I used to have a guy, the guy who would greet you at the door. Me and him were getting, we were pretty buddy buddy, and I haven't seen him there for a while. So I'm, I don't want to say I'm sad that he's not there because I'm, he, I, hopefully he moved on to, you know, not, not that there's anything wrong with Best Buy, but hopefully he moved on to, you know, greener pastures or something. Not saying he died. If that's, that's not what I was saying, but, uh, you know, just moved on to a different opportunity. But, um, if he was still there, maybe I would have asked him, but, uh, no, I, I don't have many fen- friendly faces at Best Buy anymore. Ah, gotcha. So he, he was on the good afternoon, good evening and good night list, um, yeah. but no longer. No. Nope, um, nope. you know, that, that, that's cool. I mean, I, I do like the idea of, of you going in there and asking for slaughter, <laughs> especially if you followed it up with, but Turok said the slaughter high was available. <laughs> like, yeah, she was just trying to like, she was like, I don't think we have it. I'm like, trust me, you do. I know you do. <laughs> Turok says otherwise. Turok <laughs> dinosaur hunter says otherwise. Uh, but um, I haven't seen Motel Hell either. However, we do have a funny uh, family story that uh, the details of which escape me at the moment, unfortunately. But um, I have heard about this movie through my parents uh, who saw this, I think, when they were... No, they were they were together for a while by the time this came out. But they saw this on like a date night in the drive-in. Wow! <laughs> and I don't know how they ended up there because it doesn't strike me as the kind of movie either of them would care to watch. <laughs> um, but to this day, uh, when sh- when talk of shitty movies comes up, my mom throws this in my dad's face, and he has to roll his eyes and just kind of be like, "Yeah, you're, you're not wrong about that one. That was that's on me." <laughs> that's awesome. I've heard it's a it's a it's a decent you know little like it's a horror movie but it's winking at you most of the time and I've heard a uh, Rory Calhoun is very very good in it he plays mm-hmm. against type because he's like like kind of the villain of the story but you know he's usually the the heroic cowboy type 
Um, but I'd like to see it just so I can tell my parents that, hey, I watched Motel Hell. <laughs> and hear hear that story again, because it's been way too long since I've told it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but moving on down the list here, we have a movie that uh, is special to me for silly reasons. But uh, we have Deep Star 6 uh, from 1989. Um, this is a Kino Lorber release. Holy shit. Um this is not a very good movie. It's okay. I think it was directed by Sean S. Cunningham, who was a uh, Friday the 13th guy. Um, and this is part of the uh, uh, aquatic uh, aquatic horror uh, wave of cinema. <laughs> wave. Um, 1989 was the year of aquatic horror. Um, I mean, The Abyss has some horror elements. Uh, that seems to be the catalyst for all the other smaller studios rushing to get their own uh, deep-sea thrillers out the gate. Um, so The Abyss was, of course, James Cameron's passion project that came out in 1989. Uh, Leviathan came out the same year. Deep Star 6 came out. I think Lords of the Deep came out the same year. There's at least one or two other big ones that came out the same year. 1989 was the year of deep-sea horror, and... I've gone on record many a time uh, saying that underwater monster movies are my jam. That's mm-hmm. that's my favorite kind of movie. For some reason, it's like a it's like a warm blanket for me. I get very comfortable watching these movies. And uh, Deep Star Six is probably on the same level with Leviathan. Um, it does have the uh, advantage of having a uh, crustacean as the as the monster. Um, you don't often see like crab monsters in movies, at least. Um, beyond like the 60s like back for some reason like the 50s and 60s like crab monsters were a thing <laughs> but um like when you get to the 80s like hard hard shelled underwater monsters were very very rare um and the the animatronic prop is fairly impressive the the gore factor is kind of all over the place to be honest there's a couple of kills that's just like somebody gets yanked underwater and then there's like blood that pulls up but then there's like holy shit that person got torn in half on camera <laughs> so it's like we're both ends of the spectrum it's very confusing but uh, the one like legitimate saving grace of the film is uh miguel Ferrer is fantastic in it he he's always the mvp in everything he does i'm sure you know him from twin peaks he's mm-hmm. amazing on that show yeah um unfortunately he's passed away um i don't know how long ago it was a few years now but um yeah he's awesome in it <laughs> um, so if you haven't seen it and you're in the mood for some uh uh underwater monster movie shenanigans uh it's it's a solid movie yeah this is one i would definitely like to see um i don't think it's a it's a kino release and i usually pick up my kino releases during their sales and they do have a sale going on now but i uh don't think it was part of it probably because it's still too new but uh i will pick this up at some point but uh yeah it would be up my alley as well i love underwater monster movies yeah, I, I, I hope to do a whole month devoted to them at some point. Like yeah. we, I think we kind of did. Like we touched on it. We did like, I think it was May is for monsters, and I took advantage of that, and I was like, we're doing underwater. It's like I've heard yeah. it's not very good. It's like we're doing underwater, goddammit. <laughs> <laughs> and it wasn't bad, uh, surprisingly enough. But um, beside that, we have yet another uh, Warner Brothers slash DC direct-to-video animated film, uh, Batman: Death in the Family, which. Um, oh, it's death in the family. So this is about the death of Jason Todd. Spoiler alert! Um, as opposed to death of the family, which uh, is a Batman comic from more recent years. Uh, I hope this version of the the uh, the movie like 
doesn't have the the weird Middle East business that the comic had. Um, yeah, the the Joker goes to like Iran and um, gets a nuclear weapon or something in the comic, <laughs> and at one point he's seen wearing a uh, Arab headdress. That's a uh, it's a little uncomfortable because <laughs> it was nice. it was published during the the Reagan years, so Reagan Joker. <laughs> all right, all right. But, um, Terror in the Isles, um, 1984. Uh, do you know this one, Brad? I feel like the name could be many, many, many things, but for some reason it's escaping me, like the significance of it. Yeah, it's a weirdly, it's kind of a documentary about horror films, actually, from my understanding. It's like a bunch of different, uh, just like scenes from horror films kind of put together. I think there's probably there's probably a few fictional scenes filmed that kind of like, you know, tie everything together. I think Donald Pleasance does, he has some role, I don't know if he's the narrator in it, but he's in it somehow but yeah it's a lot of just like clips from horror films which is kind of weird um yeah i don't know i don't know much more about it besides that um apparently this blu-ray has two cuts of the film um but i don't know it feels like something that honestly i don't know why um, unless this the commentary and the stuff that pieces all these clips together is worthwhile i don't really know what you would get out of this if you're a horror fan but maybe there's something to it that i just don't know uh i mean i told you about this uh i think it was last year um they had that uh horror documentary uh, 80s horror documentary in search of darkness um mm-hmm. the sequel is actually currently um doing like i forget if it's a kickstarter or one one of those crowdfunding programs so you can actually get in on that and uh pre-purchase the sequel i might actually do that because I already own the first one. It, it's pretty solid. It's like a good four-hour documentary about 80s horror, and you can only cover so much even in four hours. Um, I feel like, you know, with Shudder being a subscription service that, you know, is constantly putting out horror documentaries and stuff, like something like this, um, there's definitely an audience for it, um, even if it's antiquated, just these, like, horror compilations and whatnot. So it's just mm-hmm. like a, a celebration of the of the genre um like i said it's probably antiquated but if you're maybe a donald pleasance fan maybe maybe his insert scenes are worth your time and money who knows um what else jumps out at you here brad um well we've got uh i think it's first time releasing this uh month el camino a breaking bad movie um which uh, was uh the net came out on netflix um actually pretty solid if you're a fan of the show it's definitely worth watching the sort of you know uh stinger movie kind of just you know two hours to wrap up some stuff um yeah it's not a groundbreaker or anything but it's pretty well done fits well with the uh rest of the show and yeah i mean maybe i would consider buying it on blu-ray um what are we looking at price wise here Ooh, 28 dollars for this and probably because it's steel a steel book that's probably why but um might wait for a regular release or a price drop on that one, but yeah, it's 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 pretty good. It's pretty solid. Yeah, um, I only saw the first season of Breaking Bad, but I've heard from you, and I I, I actually listened a long time ago uh, to your review of El Camino, mm. and yeah, it it's, it sounds like it's it's not groundbreaking or anything, but it's like it doesn't. Am I am I wrong in saying it doesn't like do any harm to the franchise as a whole? Yeah, definitely not. It's kind of just like, you know, it feels kind of almost like just comfort food for the fans. It's kind of just cool yeah. to be 
back in that world for a little bit longer. Although, I mean, with uh, Better Call Saul going on as well, it's like we're still kind of in that world. But a lot of, I know a lot of people are like, oh, I can't get into Better Call Saul. It's too slow. And to those people, I just say, get out of here because Better Call Saul has definitely proven itself, uh, even though it might not be as action-packed as Breaking Bad. Some of us like more refined tastes. We're not just there for the the action and the drug deals. There's there's more uh, human elements at play in Better Call Saul. Give me a break. No one gives it a chance. Well, so I, so many of my friends won't even give it a chance. Just I don't I don't get it. I can I can hear the frustration. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I know what you mean though. It's like it's one of those things where it's like why why don't you see the quality that I see? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. But moving on down here, uh, we have, um, I don't know if it's debuting on the format, but The Pledge from 2001. This is a, a Mill Creek Entertainment release uh, starring Jack Nicholson, and it has a uh, certified fresh Rotten Tomatoes label on the front, so you know they're struggling to find an audience for it. Uh, I don't know this movie, but, you know, Jack Nicholson, like even late in the game, he was still putting in some good performances. About Schmidt is a fantastic movie, and he's... a big part of why it's a fantastic movie so i don't even know what this is but that that uh that what bushy mustache and that that scowl tells me you know i'll watch an old tired jack why not yeah (laughs) i only know this from the uh the cover the cover for some reason is very iconic to me i don't know why maybe it's because of his mustache but uh I think um, it's the mustache, Brad. Yeah. I think it's nothing but. <laughs> Pretty good cast, and it's uh, directed by Sean Penn. And uh, on the cover, Larry King is a fan. So there you go. I mean, we all love Larry King's opinion on movies. So. I mean, you're not wrong about the, the cast. Damn. Uh, yeah. You got Robin Wright. Uh, it just says Robin Wright, so maybe they were separated by the time it <laughs> got to it. But um, Aaron Eckhart, uh, baby Aaron Eckhart, uh, that was probably around the time he was just coming off of his uh, cameo on Frasier. Um, <laughs> uh, Benicio Del Toro and uh, Harry Harry Dean Stanton, everybody's favorite hobo, <laughs> except for Buck Flowers. He's, he's cinema's greatest hobo, but Harry Dean Stanton is right there with him. Uh, and Costas Mandalore, um, who... At one point, like I didn't know this, but at one point, like he was like one of the considered one of the sexiest men in Hollywood. It's like really, Costas <laughs> Mandalore? Like okay. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, moving on, we have a uh, another Criterion release, uh, Claudine from 1974. Um, again, unfortunately, this is not known to me, but I'll just read the plot synopsis. In 1970s Harlem, garbage collector Roop feels intimidated by the idea of dating Claudine, who is a single mother of six on welfare. Um, James Earl Jones, sold. (laughs) That's all I need. Um, Moving on down, we have an Arrow release of Warning from Space. Uh, If memory serves, yes, this is a Japanese sci-fi film from the 50s. Um, I don't know the reputation behind this one. I get so many of these uh, Toho non-Godzilla movies mixed up. Um, but I'm sure Arrow did a solid job with the release and, you know, some of those movies are a lot of fun to come back to. Um, oh, uh, here's one that I actually have some shit to say about. (laughs) So, uh, The Doorman from 2020, directed by Ryuhei Kitamura. 
um, who directed Versus, which is uh, a film that we covered a long time ago on Catching Up on Cinema. Um, this stars Jean Reno uh, and Ruby Rose, uh, who had maybe she she took the uh, Steven Seagal route in terms of uh, her debut in acting, as far as I can tell. Like she just like kicked the door down and was like in all the big blockbuster movies and shit. And now she's doing the doorman. (laughs) In like two short years, she did like Batwoman and the doorman. And as far as I can tell, like her star has, has fallen pretty drastically, but um, I've heard this isn't very good, but just the novelty factor of the director. um, I don't care about her. Um, In fact, the only reason I, gave this film a second look was that like i was in the process of dismissing it and then like my eyes flitted across the screen i was like whoa i know that name (laughs) i was like (laughs) and i don't really know why he's directing that um but now i'm in now i'm interested um and i've heard it's kind of garbage which doesn't surprise me uh given that she does nothing for me in any regard um i've seen some behind the scenes footage of her doing stunt work and stuff i'm like it's pretty rough. <laughs> um, and in a direct-to-video action movie, if the action's pretty rough, the whole thing's going to be sign. even worse. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like her. I'll, I'll, but... I'll vouch for her. I like her. Okay, fair I, enough. I always like seeing her on screen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't mind her. She's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, which reminds me, actually, um, I've been meaning to watch the Meg. Is that is that worth my time? I mean, you know, it depends how much time you have left. I mean, if you're like you've only got a week to live, absolutely not. But if you've got like another eighty years left in you, I mean, yeah, it's maybe worth checking out. I mean, it's not it's not horrendous, but it's not great. It's, um, you know, it's yeah, John Turtletop, like because you sent me that, um. What's his face? Uh, Mr. Kill List. Um, oh, Ben Wheatley. Ben Wheatley is directing the sequel. Seems a little weird based on how the first one was and the John Turtletobness of it all. But there were, you know, there were a few fun scenes, and I, I, I wouldn't say it's terrible. It, it was just kind of mediocre. But you know, it's maybe worth checking out. Well, my my general assessment, like, funny enough, it's based on a novel that I did read, like, mm. just. Oh, for whatever reason, I ended up reading it a long time ago. Um, I seriously doubt it bears any resemblance to the film. But, like, even without having seen it, like, my f- initial reaction was like, the shark's too big! <laughs> I was yeah. like, hang on, Trevor, what do you mean the shark's too big? It's like, how does it interact with people? It can't do interesting things. It's too big. <laughs> it's like, huh, that's a strange objection to have, but sure. But, yeah, that's my general thought on it. It's like, hmm, it's like PG-13 and the shark's too big. Like, that's... You know, I'm sure it's visually spectacular and probably a lot of dumb fun. Um, but in terms of, like, giving you good, like, monster action, it's, like, it's too fucking big. <laughs> it's like... I, I think for me, the, the PG-13-ness of it was the big killer. Like, if it had been gory, I think it could have been a real kind of fun film. But uh, it was definitely missing that, for sure. Gotcha. Well, as far as I know, it cleaned up in China, um, which you know would guarantee a sequel however ben wheatley being attached to not only a sequel but a giant shark movie sequel 
never could have told you that was going to happen. Never yeah. in a million years could I have predicted that. So we'll see what comes of it, I guess. Yeah, we'll see. Um, I think the first one went through a few directors. Like, I think Eli Roth was originally supposed to do it. So we'll see if uh, Ben Wheatley sticks with it. But maybe, maybe. I mean, who knows? Like, just bring the turtle top. <laughs> just bring the turtle top back, man. Let's just like, just keep get like you know, Ben Wheatley can actually make great films. I don't want him necessarily making the Meg. John Turtletop, like, let's just keep this guy employed. That's just kind of the wheelhouse he should be in. Just j- tell John to make it bloodier, and we'll be fine. Everybody will be happy. <laughs> Get like Chris Columbus or something. To turn yeah, it. him too. Yeah, him too. Let's give him some more work. <laughs> They're right in the same um, boat. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean. But, yeah. Um, moving on though, we have uh, release. Oh, wait, this is not the debut of it on the format, but it's the spirit of the season. So I'll just mention that Rawhead Rex is uh, coming out, I believe, on a steel book. Um, this, like I said, it's not debuting on Blu-ray. Uh, it came out a while ago, as far as I know. Um, and I'm struggling to find anything else interesting because it's all re-releases from here on out for the remainder yeah. of the week. Uh, so I'm just gonna throw in the towel and move on to the next week here. Yeah, that that works for me. I don't see anything else worth mentioning. So that brings us to October 20th. Um, and right out the gate, we have the Back to the Future Ultimate Trilogy on 4K. It's a box set. Uh. Thoughts on these films, Brad? You you fans of the Back to the Future franchise? Big fans of the first two. I like the third one, too, but the first two are the ones that I watched endlessly growing up. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm a pretty big fan of the franchise. Got to say, I don't know how you feel, but I'm not a fan of that cover. That cover, uh, you know, with the uh, characters, uh, the, the floating body characters up top. I'm not feeling that. Um but, uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be cool to own these in 4K. I haven't looked at any reviews on picture quality-wise, but um, looks like they're getting pretty good, pretty high marks, so I might pick this up eventually. Yeah, the Back to the Future movies, like, the, the box sets are a dime a dozen. Like, they're always on sale. And yeah. it's one of those franchises that, for whatever reason, I take it for granted. It's just, I've seen, like you, I saw them so many times when I was young. Like, for me personally, it's just, I, they're in the vault that is my brain. So I, I rarely feel compelled to rewatch them these days. Um, but it is kind of nice knowing that it's like, well, it's always going to be there. And more than likely, whenever I do decide to come back to it, it's still going to be good. Um, and as far as I know, like, I, barely remember the third one i think like you i only really personally i think i only watched the first one over and over and over again but i think my brother um always was keen on pointing out that you know that second one really isn't bad like you really ought to check that one out more often i i Um, love the second one it's definitely not as good as the first but i love the second one just like i remember really liking the 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 biff world stuff yeah yeah, yeah, and the stuff they do i think they really just take it into some interesting like you know it's obvious okay the first one we go to the 50s the next one we're going to go to the future but i think they do some really interesting stuff going into the future that uh really makes it a standout film Oh, yeah. No, I, there's a couple of clips from that movie that I will forever keep on my phone just to harass my friends with. Um, yeah. Of course, unless you've got power! <laughs> <laughs> That's probably the most used one. And then, yeah. uh, Mark Fry! <laughs> <laughs> 
Anyway, uh, Back to the Future Two is great, but um, moving right along though, we have a we have another uh, Scream Factory Steelbook, um, and this would be for 1988's uh, Pumpkin Head, directed by Stan Winston. And I'm kicking myself because I had a forever pending order with Shout slash Scream Factory that unfortunately got fulfilled right when they announced that they were re-releasing Pumpkin Head. Oh, which is exactly what was in the order that I got. And I have to assume that this version of the disc is far superior to the garbage one that I got from them. <laughs> it does look like it is a 4K master. So, uh, Motherfuck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got screwed. But um, I I have a very uh, large appreciation for Pumpkinhead. It, it is not a very good film. Um, I don't think Stan Winston's all that great of a director. Uh, seems to be the case um but the man is a wizard when it comes to animatronics and you know all sorts of rubbery puppets and whatnot and uh yeah him and uh tom woodruff they uh they did a bang-up job with making Pumpkinhead look fucking awesome um, mm-hmm. and when i was a young boy watching Pumpkinhead, i was like yeah this these are the movies i like i like there's a lot of like horror fans but me in particular i like monster movies like yep. I, I don't generally watch movies to be scared. I, I watch movies for big rubbery monsters that tear people up. <laughs> that that's my jam. And Pumpkinhead uh, is not nearly as gory as one would hope, um, but it has a really lovely atmosphere in it. And to this day, I, I stand by it. Um, maybe one of the best like uh, old witch makeups committed to film. To be honest, mm, okay. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but she. Uh, she looks fantastic. A lot yeah. of it has to do with the orange lighting and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, I, I like the film. Um, have you seen the second one at all? I, I own it, but I've never watched it. I, I think there's four in total now, but um, yes, I have seen the second one. Um, it's a, uh, it's not good. Yeah. <laughs> it's really not good. What I Although assume, it does, yeah. um, the cast is kind of fun because you have Punky Brewster in there, you have Soleil Main uh, Moonfry, and then uh, I forget his name, but uh, he plays the. Uh, the dad from Hellraiser and the the villain from the first Dirty Harry, um, okay. and he's yeah. generally known for playing like those sleazy psycho- psychopath characters. Um, but in Pumpkinhead too, he's just like the local sheriff. He's just a completely <laughs> normal guy. Also, like I think Bill Clinton's brothers in it. Really? <laughs> so, wow. Yeah, he plays the mayor, right, and he's right. he is he is a Clinton. Like you can tell. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, it's kind of awesome. That's hilarious that he plays the mayor too. <laughs> yeah, he, I think he has a he has like a curly mullet and he's very short and yeah, you can you can hear that little bit of Arkansas on it. <laughs> Does he play the saxophone um, or? No, but he okay. he's basically right. playing to uh, the mayor from. <laughs> yeah, it, it you know I don't I think Bill got all the talent in the family because um, acting. Acting didn't suit his brother and or cousin or whatever he is. He's a Clinton though. I know hey, that much. I'm I'm just saying, 500 years from now, no one's gonna remember who was president in the 1990s, but they will still be watching Pumpkinhead too, and his brother will be laughing at him then. I can tell you that much. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm sure that that will come to pass. But, um, moving right along, uh, we have The Haunting, um, which I don't think this is debuting on blu-ray but i just i think it is actually it out there really this is the uh the 1999 version or whatever it is um yes i, I believe it's a debut and it's through the paramount presents label 
which uh, is some pretty great uh, packaging. Um, and yes, I might pick I this that. up. It's not a good film. It's quite bad. But the house is pretty fun. It's pretty, uh, you know, very grand gothic manner. And I remember, I think this movie came out before. Did you ever watch the Stephen King miniseries Rose Red? Or do you know I of did it? Um, a long time ago. I think it actually takes place in my neck of the woods, like yeah, in the yeah. Seattle area. Yep. <laughs> I I loved Rose Red, and I think this came out a few years before Rose Red. But I was kind of uh, really into that sort of uh, you know giant mansion haunted house horror at the time. And uh, even when I was really into this kind of genre, I th- thought this movie was pretty bad. But I'm curious to revisit it. It's got a strong cast and. Uh, yeah, it's one you know you gotta pop on it. You gotta pop it on every twenty years or so just to just to check back in. No, I, I'm I am baffled that this is just debuting on Blu-ray now because uh, this came out in 1999. It was a blockbuster. It's from Jan de Bont, uh, who I think gave us Twister, mm-hmm. uh, personal favorite of Kyle's. Um, I've seen this movie an embarrassing number of times. Really, um, and it's never been good. But for some reason, it is incredibly watchable for me. Um, I saw it in the theater. I saw it over and over and over again. I'm sure Catherine Zeta-Jones had a lot to do with that um, because I was probably 12, 13 around the time I saw it uh, for the first time. Um, And, uh, yeah, I've seen this movie so many times. Um, And the the ending of it to this day is one of the most cringeworthy, like, embarrassing sequences in film history for me. Um, uh, All I have to say is, it's about family. (laughs) And anybody who's seen the movie knows what I'm talking about because... The script literally just like turns itself inside out and explodes. Like no, the script implodes um, because they had no fucking clue what they were doing uh, when it came to ending this movie. Mm-hmm. And I defy you to figure the fuck out what they were trying to do. Um, but it's at the time it was a special effects tour de force. Um, CGI was all the rage in 1999, and that's largely the reason this film exists. It's just to show fancy special effects um kind of like uh, casper the friendly ghost um the movie version of that is also kind of bonkers and not particularly ver- not particularly good but from a special effects standpoint yeah they did some groundbreaking work with that but yeah the haunting like especially in retrospect it's like wow that really is a really strong cast like yeah. <laughs> like like at the time, like most of the people weren't like headliners or anything, but when you look back on it, it's like, damn, they had a lot of talent for such a small cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I I think this is available on Amazon Prime to stream right now, and I I am so sad to say I will probably end up watching this before Halloween, um, even though I've already I'm, seen it probably thirty times. I'm real tempted to buy this Blu-ray. I I wasn't gonna do it right away, but now we're talking about it. I'm like, man, I kind of. This is an itch that I think I'm going to need to scratch. So, well, like Kyle would say, like I can not only hear, I can not only see the movie, I can also like hear it playing out in my head as we're talking about it. So it's like, yeah, I'm probably going to end up watching The Haunting. Yeah, I'm going to get a text from my girlfriend. She's going to be like, you want? Do you want to come over tonight? It's like, I can't. <laughs> it's like, why? It's like, because I'm watching the haunting <laughs> i have to watch the haunting I just... you don't understand <laughs> it calls to me uh, but anyway um beside that we have a shout select release of adaptation from 2002 um yep. this is a uh, 
Charlie Kaufman written film, is that correct? Yep, uh, he wrote it, and uh, Spike Jones directed it. Yes, um, I really enjoy this film. Uh, I've seen it a couple times, um, and it's it's a lot of fun to come back to. In fact, this is another one that I would I would love to put on right now. In fact, yeah, this is the only uh, film so far that came out this month that I've already purchased. So I did buy this one. Um, oh wow! But uh, buyer beware that uh, the uh, release of this not great. Not great. Shout was spending all their time on that uh, Friday the 13th uh, box set that they messed up. That This one has no new features, and although it's not been advertised this way, it seems like the consensus in the forums on Blu-ray.com is that it's the same transfer as the previous Blu-ray release. So if you already own this, there's literally no reason to buy this except for unless you're like a Shout Select completionist. But... It's essentially the same Blu-ray, just put in the Shout Select line. But the previous Blu-ray was out of print, so if you don't already have it, then now's the time to upgrade. Okay, well, that's that's a bit of good news, good, a bit of bad news, but yeah. you know, it's still a good movie at the end of the day. Oh, so yeah, definitely, yeah. yeah. Um, moving right along, uh, we have a couple more Criterion releases. We have uh, Gregory Peck in The Gunfighter from 1950. <laughs> um I like Gregory Peck quite a bit. Um, I don't even know anything about this movie, but I would totally watch Gregory Peck shoot some people in the Old West. (laughs) Um, And we also have The Hit from 1984, which is also not known to me, but um, that person's obscure face looks like a combination of William Fickner and Matthew McConaughey. Uh, I'm not even going to bother to look up who it actually is. (laughs) Just leave it at that. Um, But... Beside that, we have uh, Tremors, Shrieker Island, which I believe uh, this is a brand new release from 2020, and it is the sixth entry in the Tremors franchise. Mm, I want to, is it, I might be seventh, actually. I think Uh, it might be seventh. We have one, two with the the bipedal ones, three with the flying ones, four in the Old West, five in Africa... Six in the snow, and yeah, Shrieker yeah. Island. So yeah, yeah. You're, you are right, seven. Because I have not seen the one in the snow yet. I, I need to watch that one, and then I can watch Shrieker Island. Because obviously, if I don't watch uh, the one in the snow, I will have no idea what's going on in Shrieker Island. I won't be able to follow. So got to watch uh, six before seven <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you'll be out of the loop with the Tremors canon. The, yeah, the yeah. depthful Tremors canon. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, I will forever watch the Tremors movies. Um, however, I will concede that maybe two and a half of them are good. Uh, first one is a classic. It's a modern mm-hmm. horror monster movie classic. Again, monster movies. Tremors, I've also watched an embarrassing number of times. I made my parents rent that for me so many goddamn times. My brother would get so pissed. Because he'd be like, we get to rent one one movie a week if we're lucky. And you keep making them rent the same thing. What the fuck? <laughs> um, movie, though. <laughs> yeah, and then I remember when Tremors 2 came out direct-to-video. And, of course, I had to. I had to see it, and it, it was good. It was fine. Yeah. Um, three is terrible. Um, I really didn't like three, and uh, four in the old west is like uh, it's half of a good movie. It's not bad. Um, I kind of liked it, although the the budget really hurt it. But uh, I, funny enough, I'm I'm on the same chapter that you are, so I still have the the one in the snow. <laughs> I like how we just call it the one in the snow. <laughs> 
it has a name, but I, I'm too lazy to look it up. I don't know what it nope. is, yeah. Yeah, I, I still have to watch that one, and then I, I, I'm, it's a foregone conclusion. I, I will watch the one in the snow, and then oh, I, I will watch the one on the island. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, two, two Tremors fans here on, on this here podcast. But, Definitely. Uh, beside, beside that, we have Killdozer from 1974, and in gigantic font, we have Clint Walker's name put on the cover. <laughs> from 1974 he he was a young man when that came out yeah wow it's a tv it's a tv movie uh so this is the killdozer before the real life killdozer um yeah. and clint walker's name is big as life and twice as ugly on the cover um, <laughs> no seriously i mean the man was on an episode of the original star trek as a like a baby so he was probably a teenager when this came out, or like like in his early 20s and good old clint walker but mm-hmm. um moving on down we have a, a shutter original scare package from 2019 do you know this one brad i do not know this one no okay um it's not known to me either but you know damn shutter i, I gotta applaud them for uh, the management of their particular service uh, it seems like they're on top of it um because they keep giving me reasons to want to resubscribe um, I haven't, I haven't fallen prey to it, but you know, maybe don't someday. do it. Hold out. You'll never get out again. You'll never <laughs> get out again. Don't be like me. Don't make the same mistake I did. <laughs> <laughs> um, but beside that, we have a movie that I will, I will happily recommend to you, Brad. Um, the Untold Story, um, also known as Bun Man um, from 1993. Um, this is directed by Herman Yao, um, who, kind of similar to like Takashi Miike. Um, he started out doing like X-rated schlock um, in the Hong Kong uh, film scene, but now he's doing like the blockbuster action movies. Mm-hmm. So he went from like that going down that road to all of a sudden, it's like, hang on, I'm making the prestige movies these days. The fuck is wrong with our culture? <laughs> but um, he he's infamous for having made um, this movie, The Untold Story, and um, uh, the I think it's called like the Ebola Syndrome. And uh, both of them are just absolutely dirty, rotten, awful films. <laughs> um, but I can't, I can't vouch for Ebola syndrome. Um, that one sounds a little lewd in, in like the kind of icky way. Bun Man certainly is too. The Untold Story certainly is in that category. Um, but if you're in the mood for some like nasty, ugly, like like Hong Kong horror cinema um, about a serial killer, check it out. Uh, it's it's an interesting experience. Yeah, that sounds like something I'd be interested in for sure. You got to be in the right mood for it, but definitely. Yeah, you certainly have to be in the right mood for it. Yeah. Um, also, the the tone is a uh, is disarming uh, to say the least because it is at equal parts like horrifying and then like laugh out loud funny. Um, mm-hmm. It just kind of vacillates back and forth between those two tones and never kind of sits still. Never kind of sits still in the middle, but. Um, the main actor from it, uh, Anthony Wong, uh, he's uh, he's awesome. Like anytime he's attached to a Hong Kong film, like I my ears perk up because he's he always shows up and he 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 goes big, he goes loud. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but moving on down here, uh, we have uh, Haunt from 2019 with a good old uh, clear box, which I always find very eye catching. Um, you covered this uh, for your show, correct? 
Yeah, I think it was last Halloween around that time we covered it, and uh, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of this film. It's very just simple, straightforward horror, but it's um, basically you know basically the plot is uh, some teenagers go to a an extreme haunted house, and it turns out that the uh, extreme haunted house is run by people that are actually murdering the teenagers that go in, and it's sort of like a fun mix of going into a haunted house and having to escape, fight for your life. Really great masks and costumes. It's very bloody. Real good Halloween time horror film. Um, so I uh, do I do want to watch this again. Unfortunately, I know I won't get the Blu-ray in time for Halloween. So the dilemma is, should I revisit it on Shudder, which is where it's streaming, or should I hold out until the Blu-ray comes? I don't know. I haven't I haven't decided. But it is uh, it's a real fun film. Mm, I would hold out for the Blu-ray. Yeah, just because yeah. I I wouldn't want to you know jump the gun and watch like the you know kind of questionable bit rate of a streamed version in like when I know that like the the full fledged 1080p is on the way. Yeah, yeah, and I've never bought from a uh, Ronin Flicks either, who are putting it out. So kind of a uh, kind of exciting, always buying from a new uh, distributor. Yeah, uh, you'll have to let me know. Uh, how it turns out because i i've never bought from them before mm-hmm. um i don't really see anything else uh for the remainder of the week uh look, looks like uh we're getting a head start with the christmas releases from disney though. <laughs> that's uh that's kind of disturbing being as we're not even at the end of october um but i'm gonna jump on down uh to october 27th so this would be the last week of october for uh, physical media releases and uh, right out the gate we have a a big one on the form of a criterion release of the previously released uh parasite the academy award-winning parasite yeah yeah uh my favorite from last year um i probably will pick this up in the criterion sale kind of a weird dilemma like because you can get the criterion edition or the version on 4k um, but I probably will just go for the Criterion version and, you know, cause then, you know, maybe I can convince myself to also get it on 4k in the future and then, you know, really prove that I'm a fan of this film. <laughs> I mean, I would, I would go with the Criterion, uh, yeah. mostly for the supplements and stuff mm-hmm. because, you know, in terms of image quality, um, it is a gorgeous film. Um, it really is stunning to look at. Um, but I think I'd be more interested in hearing about how it was put together than getting that that little kick up in in image quality um yeah i might actually pick up the criterion of this and i i i don't actually have that many criterions uh, so that says a lot as to how much i enjoyed it um beside that we have a movie that is beloved by um a lot of folks that are maybe a, a couple years older than me um the last starfighter uh, this is um this is due for a remake like like we are in the thick of this culture right now. This is a this is about a teenage boy who's good at arcade games that gets recruited by space aliens to help them win their gala- intergalactic war. Um, I think we're ready for another one, <laughs> maybe even a sequel rather than a complete remake. Um, mm-hmm. But this is an Arrow release. This is a movie that I would actually buy. Um, I, I've actually been looking for an excuse to rewatch it. It's been a long time. I barely remember it to be honest, but it gives you the the warm fuzzies uh, coming back to it like in in memory and whatnot you get the nostalgia waves uh 
We also have the Flintstones, the complete series. Uh, I don't know how big that box is, but I'm sure it's enormous. Um, 1960 <laughs> to 2015. Jesus wow. Christ. <laughs> um, and then we have a 4K disc of Daughters of Darkness from uh, Blue Underground, who have been putting out a lot of... Uh, have they been the ones doing like the giallo and, and things along those lines? Yeah, they did. Well, they did like Maniac and what was it? House by the Cemetery. Um, a few other ones on 4K. But yeah, they've really been going all in on 4K, which is pretty cool. This one, I have no knowledge of this film, though. Um, like at least with Maniac and House by the Cemetery, I knew of them by reputation. Um, have not seen either of them. But uh, this one, I'm don't know anything about so when i saw this uh coming out on 4k it's kind of a surprise when a completely blind just side movie just comes out on 4k yeah uh th- these blue underground folks they're they're sneaky um yeah i i've never found a reason to dip into their catalog but as far as i've been reading uh they they don't suck like they they oh, actually yeah. do a good job with their disc printing um moving on down we have uh Deadly Games in 4K from 1989. This uh, this reeks. Oh, it's a Vinegar Syndrome disc. Uh, that's interesting. Um, this reeks of one of those like uh, lost schlock classics where it's like it's just waiting for somebody to pick it out of the trash bin and throw it on YouTube for everybody to see. Yeah, I'm sure it's terrible, but it probably has some you know good lulzy moments or something that the kids will love. Um, the cover art definitely does a lot to sell it. Uh, there's definitely a market for that. Um, we have a Rambo complete steelbook box set. Uh, they're not getting my money, being as I already have all those movies. Although, still kind of salty about that fifth one, man. It, um, the international version of the fifth one is not available in the U.S. as far as I know. Um, and I think I checked the steelbook version, still not available. And I did actually well, that- watch that version of the movie. Now, here's a question, though. What's that? If it was available in the Steelbook collection, would you buy the collection just to get that international version of the fifth movie? No. I, <laughs> I, no. No. I, I wouldn't uh, because the fifth movie isn't very good. And uh, funny enough, the, the elements that are added to the fifth movie in the international version uh, are just dialogue scenes. Like, it has nothing to do with, like, censorship or violence or anything like that. It's It's all just an extended prologue and a few more dialogue scenes that are actually like important to the film <laughs> in, in terms of making it a coherent story. <laughs> so it, it feels it's slightly better the international version that is, although like at the same time, I can kind of see why they would trim the runtime for the American release where it's just like, this movie sucks anyway. We may as well just like make it a quick experience. <laughs> um, but moving on down here, uh, I kind of dig the cover for The Black Cat from 1989. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It looks kind of gruesome. Uh, in fact, there's a lot of good covers for this week. Um, Rest in Pieces as well from 1987. Um, Grave Robbers from 1989. Uh, not sure about Memorial Valley Massacre. That's not the best, but <laughs> they can't all be winners. Uh, we have another Arrow release in the form of Cold Light of Day from 1989. Damn, a lot of 1989 releases uh, in October. Uh, we have Cleopatra, Queen of Sex from 1970. This is, I believe, a uh, Japanese animated film. Um, it's from Discotech Media, so yeah. Um, oh, uh, Tezuka Osamu. Um, the 
grandfather of manga uh, made this. So the the guy who created uh, Japanese comic books, modern Japanese comics, uh, gave us a a dirty nudie flick involving Cleopatra. <laughs> um, nice man of nice. a man of many colors, a man of many tastes. <laughs> um, we have uh, Zebra Man from 2004 uh, on Blu-ray in this country, I believe, for the first time. Only reason I point out is it's directed by Takashi Miike, um, stars some of his regulars in it. Uh, I didn't particularly enjoy it, um, mostly because all the all the enemy monsters in it that the titular Zebra Man does battle with are kind of shitty looking, and they're all done in like CGI. And you know the whole point of doing like a tokusatsu uh, production usually involves like rubbery monsters and stuff. And it's like, why do you? Why do you deny me that? Like, like, all I need to be happy is to see rubbery monsters doing battle, and you deny me this. Why? What's your deal? Um, we have... Um, oh, one thing worth pointing out. Wolfman's Got Nards from 2018. Um, I believe this is a documentary about the Monster Squad, uh, the Fred hmm. Decker movie. Uh, yep. Have you seen that one, Brad? Uh, no, I've never seen Monster Squad, actually. Uh, it's a It's a fun one. Like yeah. it's a it's good solid fun. Um, highly recommended. Um, in October for sure. Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. Um, um I can point out quick, just uh, out of curiosity, scary tales from nineteen ninety three, um, which I I kind of like the simplicity of the cover. Now it's from uh, <laughs> American Genre <laughs> Film Archive who uh, is kind of, I don't know if they're owned by Vinegar Syndrome. Somehow Vinegar Syndrome and them are sort of one and the same. I don't know if it's like an offshoot. But uh, it's a super low-budget anthology horror film from 93. And I was just looking at the cover here, and it might be the first instance of a letterboxed rate, like a review, getting plastered on the cover. Because Holly Horror from Letterboxd calls it super charming. So, oh shit, you're right. Yeah, <laughs> I saw Super Charming. I'm like, oh, okay, maybe this will be worth. And then you see Letterbox, and it's like, well, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't mean much. But okay, um, but I don't know. I'm kind of curious. I I do have one other American genre film archive release, so it's uh could be could be kind of fun to pick up, but it, it would probably be very uh, shoestring budget, and uh, you know, it's only it's only an hour and ten minutes, so you're not investing that much in it. I feel like the the people that run this particular um, disc publisher, uh, I feel like they watch a lot of red letter media, um, and that's probably what got their them started. Um, you know, distributing schlock. Yeah. Because, um, like, like I said, there's, there's God knows how many movies in the trash bin that are are just waiting to to find an audience, um, usually for ironic entertainment purposes, and this just based on the cover <laughs> looks terrible. It looks like something. It looks like something I made, you know, with my friends in the backyard. Yeah, and I, and charming is the word that comes to mind um, in both making and watching things of that nature. Definitely looks like it's trying to cash in on the scary stories to tell in the dark sort of uh, style uh, artwork. Not anywhere near as good, but I don't know, man. I'll tell you, you put that like American genre film archive thing in the corner, and all of a sudden my interest is peaked. I mean, I'm like, if that wasn't there, I would have just like gone right over this. But now I'm like, I might, I'm kind of a little curious about this film. I'm a little curious about it. 
It's like, HGFA, that's guaranteed to be crap. <laughs> <laughs> but enjoyable crap, God yeah, damn it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, I mean, there's a movie, actually, that I, I bought on DVD almost on, like, a dare. Um, because a long time ago, one of my one of my very good friends told me um, he was up at, like, 3 a.m. just, like, flipping channels. And he, he and his brother discovered a film called Bone Sickness that they declared the worst movie they had ever seen. Really? And I, I never forgot that. Like, And years later, I was at that secondhand uh, media store, and I found Bone Sickness, and I bought it for $2. <laughs> and I watched it, and it's pretty fucking bad. <laughs> uh, there's, a, there's a scene where a gal is taking her clothes off, and I was like, oh, no, honey, not for this. <laughs> like, like, not for Bone Sickness. <laughs> And uh, yeah, some of the some of the haircuts and some of the faces, it's like, oh, ooh, the, this is not a handsome lot of folks. <laughs> like, the, this is clearly just some guy, you know, throwing his friends in front of the camera and hoping for the best. And it was charming, though. Like, yeah. It's it it is it is objectively very very bad, but it was very charming to see, you know, a bunch of people come together and make a shitty movie. Um, clearly inspired by Evil Dead and then some. It was like Night of the Living Dead mixed with Evil Dead. and You know, they didn't have the tools, they didn't have the talent, but just seeing them try was kind of fun. And like, like I said, I, I think that's the theme for this episode. Is, you know, like, effort and enthusiasm counts for something, and a lot of times it does, mm-hmm. in my mind anyway, translate to entertainment. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's about it for October unless there's anything else you want to point out Brad no not really um that's yeah I think I'm tapped out that's all for me yeah I think we probably said more than I intended to but uh in review um any you think that you're gonna pick up um now that we're getting towards the end of the month here I will uh definitely I've already got adaptation and I will probably also get the haunting haunt uh which unintentional but i'll probably get both of those and i I think (laughs) that's probably it yeah at least for now i mean eventually i'll get 300 4k but for now that's that's all oh and parasite criterion oh yeah yeah well that's when in the criterion cell that's in the criterion cell so ah just december right uh i think november so not not too far away i don't know mid-november i think it launches or something or something like that yeah just wait five minutes it'll come down (laughs) (laughs) um and for me, um, I think I will red box the ta- the tax collector just because I'm stupid and I do things like that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I would like to see Ashfall, but I'm not paying a nickel for that. Like if that arrives on a streaming service that I already have, I'll watch it. Um, uh, wow, kind of kind of slim month um, i would have picked up pumpkin head if not for the fact that i already got that um yeah i i still gotta get uh the snow tremors and the island tremors out of the way um i'm not gonna buy the haunting but like i said i'm, I'm probably gonna end up watching that <laughs> yeah it's it's time it's time it, it's time it's gonna happen <laughs> um and uh, I might i might do parasite uh on the criterion sale as well and the last yeah. starfighter it it kind of feels like the right time for that. Like maybe, maybe I'll maybe I'll take a swing at that. See if uh, the time. see if the nostalgia actually is warranted because it, it might not be as good as I remember it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
Um, well, that being said, um, before we sign off, Brad, um, you want to let the folks at home know how they can find you and uh, all your other lovely podcasts and whatnot? Yeah, uh, Cinema Speak Podcast is where you can find me. So search for that wherever you find your podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify. Um, you can also follow us on social media, on Twitter, at the, at the Cinema Speak, or on Instagram, Cinema Speak Podcast. And also cinemaspeak.libsyn.com is where you can just find a web page of all our posted episodes. All right. Well, thanks for that. And uh, if you want to check out some of our other Catching Up on Cinema content, uh, you can find myself and Kyle at our website at catchinguponcinema.com. You'll find all of our podcasts collected there, along with some uh, loosely doctored movie poster art and whatnot. Um, And if you want to get in touch with us on the social medias, we also have an Instagram at Catching Up on Cinema, as well as a Twitter at Catching Cinema. So feel free to hit me up there and uh, please like, share, subscribe and all that shit while you're at it. Um, But that being said, uh, thank you so much for joining me in this edition of Catching Up on Blu-ray, Brad. Um, And that being said, uh, thanks so much for listening and we will catch you next time.